Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Brian Kiefer, president of Allied Trust Management. Brian has over two decades of experience in the insurance industry and has made a real name for himself by believing insurance should always be there when people need it most. Brian has a consistent track record of leading companies to unprecedented levels of growth and profitability. He founded Family Security Insurance in 2009 before moving to start Allied Trust Management, where they provide bundled offerings of homeowners, flood and umbrella insurance to Texans. Uh, We are pumped to hear from an expert in the business, so let's jump right in. Brian, thank you for being here. The only reason I just paused on that was saying it's not just Texas, is it? It's Texas and Texas and Louisiana, and it's also Allied Trust Insurance. Allied Trust Insurance. Yeah. All right. My team that's listening, strike one. Sorry, guys. (laughs) All right. No worries. Yeah, Allied Trust Insurance. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Well, buddy, tell me, how did we get here? I know you started several companies. Take us back. What's your entrepreneurial journey been like for you? You know, Drew, thank you very much for having me on, first of all. But, uh, you know, insurance was not my first gig. This is actually kind of a second career, if you will. I okay. ended up uh, going to work for Coke Industries, K-O-C-H, second largest privately held company in the U.S., straight out of school. And wow. uh, it, was, it was a great place to learn business. Couldn't have been a better uh, place to learn. They weren't afraid to give you a lot of responsibility. I mean, day one out of college, I was scheduling. This was, It's a diversified energy company. Many different industries that they uh, participate in. But day one out of college, I was scheduling a million dollars worth of product a day. Wow. And so, and it was kind of an entrepreneurial playground, if you will. They encouraged entrepreneurs and to create, but it was also with unlimited capital, which, you know, what could be better than that, right? Because the capital is always a constrained resource for entrepreneurs. This This is the Koch brothers, correct? Correct. Got yeah. it. And, and they're well known from a political standpoint, a little bit misunderstood there. Sure. You know, th- their deal from the political side is really they actually don't want subsidies. They don't want to help free enterprise. They want the, the free market to dictate. Yeah. Right. Yep. And and so I spent half my career doing business development, commercial development, M&A, kind of manage that capability for the company. Actually used to meet with Charles Koch all the time. I'd have wow. a team of of uh, project managers in the business that they would want to expand things in the business, bring it to me for approval. If it was good for me, I'd bring it, take it up to Charles and, and learned a lot from him. Great gentleman. And, um, and then the other, so I did startups, turnarounds, marketing, and, and, and then also the business development side of it. But part of that uh, developed our risk-adjusted decision-making and pricing frameworks, which this goes back, we're in the 90s here, and that was, it was basically what we call enterprise risk management today, ERM. They, we didn't have it back then. That was what we were developing. Yeah. So uh, most people don't get into the insurance, have an idea of they want to go in the insurance business. I got there by meeting a guy on an airplane. So wow. next, this back in 99, I was uh, vice president of our gas and power businesses. And back then, one of my responsibilities was Y2K, if you remember that. Okay? Oh, yeah. I remember preparing for it and waiting as the, and as the, the clock ticked down. Nothing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was uh, coming back from a Y2K conference in Cleveland, flying back to Houston, where I was living at the time, and uh, working on my resume. You know, and uh, guy sitting next to me uh, was impressed. I was working the whole flight, thought I was in HR. So, you know, we struck and said, no, not it's my resume. He asked what I was looking for. Well, he was a uh, general manager for Progressive for Louisiana. 
and they were trying to uh, hire someone that would be a combination product manager and, sa- and sales manager combined. There's only one other one in the company at that time. And that was kind of a lateral move or, or actually step down. But, you know, it was a chance to make a change and it literally doubled the salary. It was worthwhile doing. Sure. Uh, you know, so I went ahead and made that change in 2000. And basically they said, this is going to be the easiest job you ever had. We've been running a 95, 97 combined ratio, meaning they're making three to 5% profit. Now in the insurance industry, that's good. Okay. We've been doing that for five years, sit back, learn the business, you know, and I was used to learning new businesses. I've been exposed to about 20 different industries at that point because Coke wow. was so diversified. Well, about four months later, they had a reorganization, brought in some reserve changes, meaning what they're estimating the expected losses were going to be from claims going forward were a lot more than what they thought. And that 93.97 blew up to a 126 overnight or losing 26 cents on every dollar, not where you would be. It was the best thing that could have happened, though, because it forced me to really learn the business. I did 16 different initiatives in the next 26 months to turn that thing around to a 93 or making seven cents. And while growing it 50 percent from a, a 125 to 190 million. Wow. But can I, can I pause there? Sure. Yeah, I want I would love to just go ahead and get some. I have four questions written down already. And okay. when, right. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is so fascinating. So if you allow me just to back up for a minute. Not a problem. I don't think I've met anybody that's that would have met Charles Koch in person uh, yeah. much less get to actually work alongside of what mm-hmm. what was that like and then what were maybe some of the one or two biggest takeaways that you think you learned from them you know it was a fantastic opportunity in, in time in my life and uh, because he's truly kind of a, a genius if you will if you will but it was also the culture of the company humility was the number one mantra really. And, you know, there were times that I would be in meetings with him proposing uh, something, a a new business opportunity or expansion. And he always knew that he, he knew that you knew more about that particular situation than he did, but he knew enough about business to be able to set, you know, understand if you, how well you knew it. Sure. And see if there was something that didn't quite seem right. And so he'd be sitting there, you know, he'd be leaning back in his chair as you're sitting there, you know, talking to him and he'd just start peppering you with questions, just, you know, kind of probing. Well, what about this? Have you thought, look at this to the point where, okay, you knew you did not know enough about this <laughs> to go forward and he's yeah. making that known, but he's not doing it in a berating way. And then he's, you know, he's not going to yeah. put you in that position, but enough to say, you know, Charles, let me go back and look into this area and come back to you. And that's probably a pretty good idea, Brian, you know, type wow. thing. And so it was leadership by knowing that he was never going to understand everything in that large company. Of course. But enough to trust your employees, but also to probe and ask, to make sure that they did understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and always treat the employee with dignity and respect. And Man. so it was always a, a positive experience and learned a lot from. And it was, like I said, when I was there, they weren't afraid to give responsibility. Typically, my peers in the industry were 10 to 15 years older than I was. You know, so it was a great place to learn business quickly. Was that intimidating? It, it when you're that young, you don't know any better, right? Yeah, you, yeah. It, 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 it's more challenging. And, and 
you have that responsibility, you can run with it. Mm. And there's a lot of things from Coke that I've actually been able to take with me to other companies and, and philosophies. Our, our, our management uh, philosophy here at Ally Trust is market-based management, which was their management philosophy. There's which things means up, what? It's, it's basically a, a lot of at Coke, they were wanting you to understand the market. Okay. You've got to understand your customer. You've got to understand the market and the free market and what the free market principles that were applying those within the firm. Mm. So, you know, there's things like property rights here at, at Ally Trust. The more our employees perform, the more decision rights I give them, the more that they prove that it's, it's just like profit in a business. The more successful you are, the more resources you have at your disposal. Right. Sure. So those types of, uh, of concepts, cool. um, I was uh, the lead uh, instructor of economic thinking and decision making. And I uh, still teach that to my employees here today. Wow. So there's a thing I'm sure we'll get into in the future here on what's you know, on the customer and, you know, what is the customer and, and you know, definition of that, that, that I, uh, you know, still carry forward and try and instill in my employees today. So it was, it was a great learning experience. I couldn't have asked for anything better for a training ground to be so successful cool. in business going forward. Oh, yeah. So I'm great. curious. I'm, I'm always curious when any, anybody makes a change for whatever reason, right? Because we're creatures of habit. So we, we prefer we prefer to stay in the rhythm, the routine, the, the scenario we know versus afraid of the unknown. So anytime someone makes a pivot, I'm always just curious, like, what was the motivation? Right. When you made that change to leave there and, and go somewhere else, what when you look back, what do you think was the motivation? That during that time, if you're familiar at all with the Coke family, there were there was some infighting with the other brothers. You had yeah. Charles, David, and there was some infighting. This was a point in time in the late '90s when they, that was coming to a head. Gotcha. And I think, uh, unfortunately, they, they kind of took eye off ball and, and brought in some new leadership into the company that did not fully embrace and understand what had made Coke successful through the years. And so there was some new leadership that was taken in a new direction. And it just wasn't at that point in time, the company that I had grown up and loved. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to say, I think they, they got past that great company today. Yeah. But there was just kind of that, that time period and where it wasn't the Coke that I embraced and that, that I truly, you know, believed in. And at the same time, when I then, you know, like I said, my, my uh, alternatives, you know, 10 to 15 years, my senior, I was kind of getting paid like that too. Wasn't yeah. really getting the full market compensation. That's when I started looking and had the opportunity come along. Oh, I love that. All right. So last question to get sure. us up to date, not last question, the interview, but the last question to get us up to date okay. in the story. You mentioned you had 16 initiatives to help turn that company around. I, I don't expect or even necessarily want you to go through all 16, but can you give right. us an example of something that, that you saw and implemented that helped turn that company around at that stage? Sure. Well, part of it was, um, you know, just digging into understanding the, the, the drivers uh, of the profitability. And there were things like I was able to take rate increases. Now, they had had 2.7 points of rate that they had taken in the previous two and a half years. I managed to get 27% increase Whoa. through. Got the uh, first double digit rate increase ever approved in the state uh, by a major carrier. Got the first, uh, you know, this, you got to understand your statutes. It's, re it's a regulated business. 
Yeah. At that point, everybody thought you could only file once a year. I really dug in, realized, no, that wasn't in the statute. You've got the first uh, six-month filing ever approved in the state. Um, went and did underwriting changes. There were things like... You started chipping away at all the... And, and when I went into product management school, if you will, at Progressive, they're teaching you about loss-cost pricing, understanding the cost of potential claims and how you would price that in the product. And I asked the question, have you ever looked at, at market-based pricing? And the guy's kind of looking back at me like, how would you ever do that? It was like, look, you guys do rocket science with understanding cost. This is understanding your market. Again, it was taking some of the lessons learned from Coke and applying them in progressive. Yeah. And so when I'm sitting there hemorrhaging on this product, we find out that there's this lady that had a uh, that came to us uh, with a D, uh, DWI. And, you know, she uh, she got with us for twelve hundred bucks which her next best alternative was $4,500. Whoa. Now at Progressive, they understand if you have one DUI, you're like walking on eggshells. You don't want to mess up a second time. Two, that's a different story, right? But so from a, a loss cost standpoint, yeah, this is $1,200. That, that was a good premium. But if you understand the market, now it doesn't mean you have to price it at, you know, right. you know $44.99 type thing. But three thousand, she would have been tickled pink. Yeah, and that would we would have been much better ahead. So that's when I also got a uh, competitive analysis group started that was doing that to understand our, the market better, as well as the cost side. Ended up recruiting a person I'd worked with at Coke to come up and take that over because it was getting to be a full time job as well. So I was making underwriting changes. I was making rating changes. Uh, you know, just everything that we could look at to country. I, I immediately went from year long policies to six month policies because A, I could get the rate through to the product quicker. And B, there's a $25 policy fee. Now I just got an extra 25 bucks a year, you know, thrown yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it, it was looking at every single facet of the product and it was a great way to get fully immersed into the insurance business. When, when you were making a lot of these changes, I know a lot of them are outward facing, but I'm sure some of them were internal, at least way we had to do things or we're learning a new whatever. Was there resistance to, to the changes internally or was it immediately accepted and there was momentum? What was that like? Well, product manager, which as a senior product manager at Progressive, that basically means you got a lot of responsibility, but no direct reports. So gotcha. I had the P&L responsibility for the state of Louisiana. Bottom line, that came on my shoulders. I had one direct report who was basically, you know, administrative support. So I had, it was a matrix organization. So I had to work with cross-functionally with claims, with pricing, with actuarial and, and the like marketing. And so it really, again, taught more of a team atmosphere. You were working with peers. I had, you know, a, a fellow product manager that was responsible for the direct side. I was on the agent side. Uh, of the business, which was 80%. So when he had changes he didn't want to make, as long as it, you know, didn't upset what I was doing, I'd work with him also on that. So it was really a lot of influence and got you, it, it, it helped develop those soft skills of working with others to really get your, you know, what you need when you don't have that just direct, you know, hammer approach. Yeah. For I'd much rather work with people than, you know, over people. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, that's a conversation 
I've had often where people are asking me. So my, the business I run outside of a podcast is mm -hmm. a coaching business. Sure. And often someone will say, man, I don't feel like I have enough influence. I don't feel like I know, you know, how to, how to really move or motivate people or get them to work collaboratively with me. Um, that's a skill, right? Like yeah. you have a skill of going, like you said, cross-functionally with nothing hanging over the conversation. Like I could fire you or I pay your salary. So you better agree with me. What are, what are a few things someone can do to, to sharpen those skills? Well, here at Ally Trust, one of the things that I tell every employee that I ever interview. Now, this could be a line underwriter, an admin. It could be my CFO. Okay. If you ever want to see me totally lose it, which I hope you don't, let me make a decision that you knew wasn't the right thing and you didn't say something. Mm. I, I encourage a challenge process here. Okay. Yeah. I want everybody to bring their A game for every day, all of their skills, their experiences, all of that. That's what we pay them for. If, if they don't, I feel they're stealing from the company. Yeah. So if you're going to want to work with someone, right, you, you need to be, it, it comes back to that humility as well that I learned to cope. You don't come in with the chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Come in trying as a team member that you're working with that person, that you have a common good. That's why here at Ally Trust, we have a very good cross-functional team. I have claims with underwriting, with, with marketing, all of that talking to one another. And we have common aligned incentives as well. So you bring it out of the I'm over you to how do we solve this together? Yeah. And, and so I, I think it's important that you, you come in with humility that where I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm trying to help you solve a problem. And as a manager, as my key role, I'm here to help you do your job. Right. Yep. I'm here to make sure that I can facilitate and help that happen. Now, let's talk about it. How can, you know, what's this situation and what can I do to help you? Or here, have you thought about this? So you take it away from that top down to yeah. a, we're together. Collaborative. Yeah, very collaborative. collaborative. Yeah. Super cool. All right. Thank you for letting me ask those questions. Sure. No worries. Continue. Where, where, where are we at in the, in the story? So basically, turn that around. Uh, now, when that, they had that reorg, I'd been hired really to be a GM within a couple of years. Well, there became a, a log jam on that. So I left uh, Progressive to go to Bankers Insurance Group, which they were uh, trying to develop some uh, a, you know, bench of management. And sure enough, within a year, became uh, was named co-COO of all of the insurance uh, business that they had. It, it's is Bankers Financial Corp has both a business side and an insurance side. And I had the okay. insurance. And this was uh, July of 04, about six weeks before the first of four hurricanes that hit Florida. Okay. So it was a wild time again in the business. And the, the other COO was going to retire at the end of the year. After about three months of that, he said, I'm out of here. It's yours. Take it. So <laughs> I'm taking over an insurance company that's going through four hurricanes and everything. But when I'd go to the management meeting every month, get this report about, you know, 50 pages thick, right, of all the businesses. But looking at it, I couldn't fundamentally say where we were making money and where we weren't. Yeah, yeah, I had an income statement. I knew what the bottom line was. But we had 20 different products and what's doing well. And so, you know, all they were showing was a loss ratio or the percent of the premium that's being paid out losses. But that doesn't include your expenses or anything else. Sure. 
So we created product code financials, which, and, which was basically income statements by product and bubble charts, which on one piece of paper. So I take that 50, couldn't tell you how our business was doing. Took it to one piece of paper. That was, you know, the x-axis is your profitability, the y is your growth. And so you want to be in the upper right-hand, you know, you want to be growing profitably. And the size of the bubble was the size of the premium, how big of impact. And on uh. one page, you could get a snapshot of your business. And sure enough, they thought they were making money on the commercial side, losing on, on the personal line side. Wasn't the case, you know, and it was actually the opposite. We had wow. one product, Companion Flood, that they thought we were making money because they had no losses. Well, yeah. Problem was the, the average premium was 75 bucks and the average expenses was 150. We nicknamed it, <laughs> we nicknamed it Pluto because it was this little dot out in outer orbit somewhere, right? So, we cut <laughs> that. so I, I brought in product management models similar to what we had at Progressive and I hired a very good team and we fundamentally redesigned all of the products and, and everything. They had had six straight years of multi-million dollar losses. We turned that around to four straight years of uh, record profitability in the 35-year history of the company. So it took them wow. from 128 to an 83 and 38% growth net of canceling 40% of the South Carolina business and 20% of the Florida business to clean up the book. That is crazy. I, there's a part of my personality that just got giddy when he told me you took a 50-page report and turned it into one. Like just that, that the relief that must be the clarity, like 50 pages of useless information, basically to one page of like very, very important and, and, and useful information. Right. Right. That right. that's what it should look like to, to enter complexity and bring it to simplicity. But that's understanding your business. Yeah. If, if you can't get it down to that, those facts, how do you know what levers to turn? Yeah. You know, yes. Dials to turn and levers to pull. Yes. So it, it, it's you got to understand what you're working with in order to optimize it and to make it what it, the best it can be. Love so that. there, you know, it had been started by an entrepreneur, classic, entrepreneur, you know, but he couldn't let go. I was there for turnaround and succession planning purposes. But if he didn't understand, you know, he was wanting to change things and put them back the way that I, you know, turn them to turn it around. And so I went and left. And. Sitting there, this now we're March of 2009. And a good friend of mine, we're in the ballpark at a spring training game here in Florida. And he was an entrepreneur. He had started a few businesses. He knew that, you know, and he, he said, Brian, have you ever really thought about doing it? And I go, well, I've thought about it, but just, and we catch the business plan sitting there in the stands at Legends Field, uh, wow. watching a, a Yankees spring training game. And, um, he put in some money. I put in half. We, we raised a few hundred thousand for seed capital. And I started to, uh, uh, to launch family security. Now, the one thing was, though, if you remember spring of 09, this is, we're coming out of the financial crisis. Oh yeah. You got to raise a lot of capital to start an insurance company. Sure. Not the best time to be doing. <laughs> yeah. So after about, Oh, not quite two years. We ran out of the seed capital. I, and I'd been, I put together and I'd, you know, open doors, but then they would shut in the face, you know, just trying to get all that capital raised during that time. And we were trying to decide whether we we're going to pull the plug or not. And a good agent friend of mine said, Ryan, I don't want to see your dream die. And he wrote me a $5,000 check for personal loan. Wow. And I stretched that over the next three months 
for, with expenses. And on the last bit of it, spent on, on a plane ticket to go to Bermuda where I was going to meet with a potential business partner who had a capital provider lined up, a reinsurer lined up. And everything looked great. And we were there and I said, okay, you know, and I had a few uneasy feelings about the guy, but I thought, no, we're finally there. After, you know, almost two years of this, at this point it was two years, um, we're going to see this thing through. Well, that deal ended up falling, falling through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a reinsurer that uh, wanted, was going to do 60%. They wanted a disclaimer of control. Couldn't get it. We finally convinced them, let us our, use our regulator, you know, got it done. But at that point, another investor went sideways on us. So long story short, there are about three different companies that launched because of our efforts going along the way. But one of them was not family secure. <laughs> oh, no. My wife is about had it at this point. I <laughs> our, this is like going two, two and a half years without salary. She's driving a van with ball tires and no air conditioning in the Florida summer. Yes. We have our 25th anniversary was that September. And we find out our kids are, are putting a surprise party on for us. We find out that day and she has me call every guest to disinvite because there's not going to be a party. Yeah, it was, oh. it was rough. And I'm interviewing at this point. Fine, you know, I got a job lined up, but then finally pieces start coming together. Mm. In January of 12, we had our first board. I had a, a job offer in one hand and an employment agreement in the other with family security on our first board meeting saying, guys, are we going to do this or not? Because I got to go one way or the other. And we and they agreed and, and, and we went ahead and went forward. The company um, was very successful. In fact, almost too successful. We became the leading writer of homeowners insurance in Louisiana through the independent agent channel within 18 months of launching. Wow. And that was at a 15% fully developed loss ratio, only 15 cents of claims on every dollar, which is very, very good. Yeah. Unfortunately though, it was so successful that one of our investors got me and they did a poor, you know, poor coup to take over the company. Five and a half years after starting this initiative, I'm on the outside looking into my own company. Oh. Yeah. My baby. God. It, yeah, All it is your baby. Tears. It is. Yeah. At that point, that is your baby. Yeah. And the agents went berserk on this because I had all the relationships. With sure. The market. New business went down 70% within the first two months. Wow. And they ended up having to sell the company. So... I'm now looking, okay, what do I do now? And I go to my wife and say, okay, you up for another startup? And she said, under one of two conditions, either the money is already raised or we get something while you're raising the money, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm working with a, a reinsurer and, you know, we're sitting there kind of working up a business model for Texas uh, startup. When I say got poking around on my LinkedIn column, he was the one that placed me at Bankers. Hey, I got an investor in Houston that's trying to do a Texas startup, but they need someone to run it. So I flew to Houston, interviewed with them. But and what I told, I was very transparent in everything that happened. But I said, look, I will tell you anything, answer any question you want, whatever, any number of references, any, you know, whatever you want. But I'm going to ask the same of you. And they'll tell you today that I interviewed them harder than they interviewed me because I needed wow. to know where that money was coming from. Yeah. There were any strings attached. And it's been night and day different. It's been a wow. very supportive investor group, a very good family, and they've been. Uh, it's been great working relationship with. Them. How, what year was that? 
So that was beginning of uh, 15. So okay. February 2nd of 15, stepped into the investor's offices, nothing but money in the bank. Uh, we sold our first policy a year later, February 16. Did 2.6 million the first year. We were just trying to develop our products, kind of, we come in high and tight, kind of, I don't want to burn our way in the market. We kind of tweak it to get it right. Yeah. So not a lot to write home about 2.6. The next year we wrote uh, 23 million. The year after that, 51. Then uh, 96, we wrote 131 last year and we should be doing 165 this year. Good Lord. So it was uh, last year named by Inc. 5000's fastest growing uh, company in insurance industry. Good Lord. Man. All right. I've got to know, how do you recover? How do you recover emotionally from you already had the tough part of, of starting it, right? Yeah. Fighting for it. It's affecting your marriage. It's, it's crazy. You get, take it off the ground to work and it gets, it gets a coup. I mean, literally like yeah. you get yeah. forced out of it by a bad actor. Um, how do you recover from that? You know, a lot of times it was, people kind of gave me a lot of credit, especially getting, even getting family security off the ground on perseverance. And, you know, what I'd say is it's not me that deserves the credit. It's my wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's the one that stuck by me. Yep. You know, when you see a door close, as an entrepreneur, we usually see another one getting ready to open. We see that next opportunity, right? Yeah. You yeah. see, I, I had I ended up having six different opportunities before I decided to do Ally Trust. But it, it's the one that's beside you that's not seeing that every day, you know, that deserves the credit. Yeah, they're on a freaking roller coaster ride. They are. And I'm happy to say that, you know, this September we'll have our 35th anniversary. Let's go. And, it, and never been better. Yeah. The relationship's never been better. So, you know, it's when something like that happens and you pick yourself up and, you know, it's man of faith you go to prayer. Yeah. You look for that extra support. You, you I think that helped in my relationship. Yeah. Right. Because you, you need that additional help. You need that support from your spouse, but you just got to get back up off the mat mm. and, and look at it. And, and yeah, you're hacked off, you're upset, you know, but it's kind of like, okay, but I'm going to do this again. And I'm going to show you why you missed the boat. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, you know, I'm going to, you know, and so it's, yeah, there were a lot of disappointments, a lot of shut doors along the way, including one slammed in the face, you know, when family security, but you got to be willing to reach for that next one yeah. and that, that opportunity. And, you know, as much pain as that was, I, I don't, as, as great as family security was, it's not the ally trust of today. I don't think we'd be where we're at right now had all that not happened. And there were lessons learned. The first, you know, I had a, a core team that I hired at bankers that followed me to family, family security that a number felt followed me to Ally Trust. The very first meeting there was, okay, guys, what's the lessons learned? Mm. Yeah, we had a lot of success, but what could we have done better? What could we do different this time? And we changed some things. So you learn from it. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of a lesson learned opportunity, you know, when well, opportunity is the word, right? Because yeah. you can learn from it. Not everybody does learn from it. Right. 
sometimes that's the death nail or they, they take it as that. And they're like, well, I tried. It didn't work. Others go, that really sucked. That was really painful. What yeah. can I learn? And then there, and then it builds upon their success, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and it, it's, it's all, you know, building blocks of life, basically, yeah. you yeah. know, you, you use it as a building block and not a stumbling block. I love that. That's so you good. Know, so, but uh, yeah, man, I resonate deeply with that. I'm, I'm, I'm five years in to the last time I took a paycheck from a company, right? Meaning like I was an employee yeah. somewhere. And I started that at 30. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm going on six, I'm about to turn 36. So it would be six, six years. And it's been a wild ride. Like you are playing a different game. I, I was telling someone the other day, it's like going from being a gatherer to a hunter. Nothing wrong with being a gatherer. It's yeah. just a different occupation. Like gatherer, you go around, you, you, you just kind of take low hanging fruit and you keep up with the minimum. Hunter, you have the ups of eating what you kill in this big game. Yeah. And then you got the downs of like, it's up to me to go find it and, and yeah. clean it and kill it and bring it back. Um, but my wife and, has been the one that's been on that crazy journey with me. Well, and, and again, they deserve a lot of the credit. I mean, a lot of times my, my wife was asking me to be a gatherer, right? Just can Same. you go get a job, get a yeah. paycheck? Because yeah. they look for the security. And, and yes. you understand that, right? Yes. But I, you also know there's that yearning of, of creation. You want to create something. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and do something better than what's been done before. And, you know, the business model, you know, it can be successful. You got the comp. You just got to put all the pieces, you know, in place. Yeah, and, uh, I gave her I gave her what I called the parachute clause. And I said, hey, end of the day, if if it, if if you really want me to just go get another job, I will. Like my commitment is to you and my family above anything else. But I, I like I want to talk about it. I want to make sure you like. Right you're you're really and there was a few times you said hey i want to i want to visit the parachute clause <laughs> i said all right all right all right hold on let's Where's wait for that ripcord <laughs> yeah she's like let's, let's wait for the kids to be down and then we can have a good conversation yeah. and I, I i i said okay let's talk about it right and by the end of the conversation without i don't think without me trying to persuade her she was like you know what i think i don't want you to do that yet not yeah. quite yet like I, i'm scared and whatever but like the more i think about it like this is what this is what we need to do. And I don't want to give up early and all that kind of stuff. And man, mm -hmm. I just think back, I'm like, man, she trusted me, you know, she trusted God right. and she trusted me, but it was like, right. and then I was walking every day, honored and pressured, you know, in the sense of like, yeah. well, crap, exactly. <laughs> I, I hope <laughs> I'm a good bet. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so I get that, man. I get that. We, we're still there. Like, you know, things are much more successful than they were, but like, we're still, even in five years in, you're still in that early you know, somewhat tenuous part of, of business and, and you proving yourself and proving it out and now scaling it and that kind of thing. But, uh, man, uh, can't, can't give her enough credit. I wouldn't have been able to do this. No, that's right. It, it, it you know, it takes a family it and my kids going through this. I mean, I had kids, you know, graduate high school, college yeah. and all this when make sure, you know, everything was all right or that things were going to be there for them. But yeah, so you got to have that, you know, that, that support is critical. Yeah. And, you know, so, and, and, yeah, again, I'll take my hat off to her that she's willing to do it a second time, you know, with some conditions, but hey, conditions we were able to meet. So. Be able to meet those conditions. That's right. Yeah, that's so as you, uh, as you started at Ally Trust, what were some of the big things that you did bring with you? You said, hey, this time going in, A, B, and C, like we're going to do this different or bring this or learn this lesson. You know, first of all, to me, you got to 
if, if you're going to start a company, to me, you got to do it in a different manner. I mean, I, I, we have a totally different business model than most startups. Yeah. Most have been monoline property, single state, and what we call based on takeout. They, they, they take policies from the residual market, okay, which gives you a little bit of bump up front, but you can pay their higher losses later because it's, it's not the quality of business. With us, we're building a multi-line company, uh, two states, Texas and Louisiana, and it's all organic. Every piece of business we, you know, underwrite, we inspect, all that. And it takes, and, and, and with that, that mo- and with a very experienced management team, we've got over 400 years of insurance experience. Wow. So we've managed previous companies through every one of the 10 largest hurricanes in U.S. history. Been there, done it before, just doing it under Nick Banner totally different business model. And that business model resonates really with our key stakeholders, with our reinsurers and the like. Okay. And so it's, you know, what, what I brought was kind of on the how to do it. And we have do the basic blocking and tackling of a good insurance company, but we surround that with state of the art quoting platform and ease of use for our agents. Yeah. So it's, it's a different value proposition, really. You know, when you're doing the bundle, like we are with, with multiple products, right now we have home and we have dwelling fire and we have flood and boat in in Texas, Louisiana, we're getting ready to launch an umbrella condominium and renters. You have much higher retention and it just sticks better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, File less frivolous claims, less price sensitivity, but it's just, it's, you're that one-stop shop. Right. Got it. And, and you're more meaningful to that policy. And but then when our quoting platform, we can, you know, I back when we could travel pre-COVID, I sat down with the CEO of, of uh, InsureTech company. And InsureTech is kind of known within the industry of, of really technology companies that are applying it in insurance. Right. And the way I view it is we're capital insurer, lowercase tech. Well, a lot of the other ones are lowercase insurer, capital tech. Gotcha. In our, our quoting platform, we can do one to two minutes on a on a uh, homeowner's quote for all the way through that, which is as fast as theirs. They got an award for the fastest quote platform. But now we're bringing it to where when we they quote these other products, the flood, the umbrella, they get an automatic quote already with it. So they can mm. quote three of our products faster than they can quote one of most of our competitors. So it's creating that different mousetrap of really understanding what your customer needs. And, and again, who's your customer? For us, it's not only policyholder, but the independent agent that we sell through. Yeah. You got to understand their business and provide them uh, products and, and systems that, you know, makes it difficult not to do business with us. Yeah. Is your sales force primarily or solely made up of independent agents? Yes, we sell, we're, we're a strong supporter of the independent agent uh, system. And so, you know, we have to compete with other companies, right? Sure. They're providing, uh, you know, they have choices. So our product has to be, you know, better, you know, than, than the competitor, which, hey, I'll take that on all day long. Yeah, yeah, I love that. How many, uh, how many people are a part of uh, this company? How many people work directly? Sure, we have 22 employees right now. Okay. Um, and that's initially you outsource some functions right now. We outsource our, our claims and our policy processing. We're starting to bring claims in house. Okay. And so we're going to be, uh, we're starting that initiative right now. And that's going to add probably another 
you know, 15, we'll almost double our employee staff once that's completed. Wow. It's a remarkable that you can serve that many people and, and issue that amount of, of policy and, and revenue have, with only 22 employees. We have 80,000 policyholders, right? How in the world are you able to do that? You know, part of it, it, it we do all of our product design. And again, we have, we outsource our policy processing. So our customer service function, you know, is, is with Water Street. They're a very good company out of Kalispell, Montana. And they do our quoting platform and okay. customer service. And on the claims, we have uh, third-party administrators there that we use that go out and adjudicate the claims, you know, the, the adjusters in the field and the desk examining. Now, we oversee those. We have VP of claims and claims coordinator, manager that kind of oversee them and get in those files, make sure that the customer is being treated right. Yeah. And anything 100000 or more goes to me for re uh, review as well. Okay. But it's, um, you know, we've got, it, it's a, I'll tell you, it's a hardworking team. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, work hard, play hard. We have, yeah. it's a very good uh, dynamic uh, that we have within the team. Uh, we challenge one another and, and uh, but we've got well-seasoned professionals that know what they're doing and, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fun. What has been the key for you so far in recruiting, hiring and training top level talent? You know, I think, first of all, I always, tell anybody that I'm interviewing, this is a two-way street. This, you've got to be the right person for us, but this needs to be the right opportunity for you. Mm. And so I always leave room to make sure that they can ask me any questions of the opportunity of the company and all that. And I'll be totally transparent because I want to make sure that that person's a good fit. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm just trying to, Find, figure out if they're the fit for us how do they know we're the fit for them yeah and and, and the two may not meet you know so this got to be a, a fit both ways you know when you're when i'm looking for someone i'm also looking for those intangibles those those other skill sets that they can bring to the table too over just that particular responsibility yeah so at ally trust we don't have job descriptions we have what I call roles, responsibilities, and expectations. Mm. And so a role is a hack your role, you know, whatever that job title or other things could be. Responsibilities is, you know, what part of the company I've carved out for you that you are solely responsible for. And the expectations are predefined levels of success yeah. that we decide up front what does success look like. But we tailor this to our employees. So, you know, Jeremy is my vice president of underwriting compliance. Jeremy also has a law degree. Wow. He's also our junior general counsel. So he gets to, to create value for the company in other ways than he might be able to somewhere else. Yep. Okay. So you, you tailor the job. Yeah, I've got a need within the business. Who can I fit? But what else can they do for us too? Yeah. That also sets that you're setting up that employee for success. Yep. Right? So it, it, it gives them other ways. I mean, we've got, you know, a, a couple of, of Texas territory managers, both of them spent their entire careers in that space. One of them will tell you, she doesn't have a creative bone in her body. The other one does, you know, the one that does, does a lot of our social media for us. The other one has been in, and has great responsible, you know, relationships and helps the other one with her relationships. Yeah. 
So, you know, same job title, but different responsibilities. So it, it, it's, it's a way of kind of making sure that you're, you're looking for the right fit that's going to fit in the company that fits both ways, but also look for ways that they can create the most value yeah. as well. Yeah. Man, I'm curious. Last question before we get into the lightning round. I'm curious for, you know, I like to think about life stages, right? Like what mattered to me in my 20s changes going into my 30s having kids that kind of thing what i even want for my career at one point changes based on a season with the season that you're in what excites you what motivates you most about your professional career at this point and that kind of thing like what what is what is the thing that that excites you and gets you passionate out of bed in the morning you know i've had a lot of experiences through the years right and you have to learn and all that and so What's exciting is when you're starting a new company, you got a clean sheet of paper. Mm. You're saying, what, what is the way companies should be designed? And I love in, in a startup that you're able to design that the way you see it should be. And you can create something that isn't there before. And, you know, right now we're going to where we're transitioning from a smaller organization to a larger organization, right? Yeah. And I'm able to take, and have employees grow with that. We just, uh, you know, had someone that we promoted from within for a higher responsibility position. And, you know, we had that external, but we were able to promote that person within because he, he grew into that position. We felt that very comfortable with, which I like creating those opportunities for people. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of getting this company, the place I want it to be in the future, you know, and, and get it as a full fledged, you know, company with not outsourcing, but those capabilities bringing in. So every part of that's a new chapter. Sure. Right? It, it's yeah. You get off your feet, you, you know, get, you got to keep the capital running right to where you can, can make it. And then you, you grow and now you're, you're starting to build that organization. And so for me right now, it, it's just getting this company to that. I don't, I want, don't want to say in-state because I don't know if it's ever an in-state. You're always growing or you should be as an organization. Yeah. But, but getting it to where it's a more sustainable to where, you know, right now we're not just adding products. We're now just growing states. You're getting to our, you know, uh, you know, growing the company incrementally versus the big jumps and getting it to be a fine-tuned machine. Super cool. I love that. Yeah. I love how you talked about the, the blank, the kind of blank sheet in the canvas. Um, you know, I was talking with another entrepreneur about this the other day and saying like, man, we can't forget what is the fun part, the benefit of doing this, because you can be overly reminded of all the not fun parts. It's like, man. Let let me, one other thing real quick though. No, please. It's kind of the why, why do we do what we do? Right. And, you know, Back when I was having the issues with the board and all that on family security, we had an insured that had a total house fire. And I was going to be traveling in that town where, where the delay was and said, hey, I'm going to be there. Would you like me to deliver, you know, claims organization, deliver a check to them? And they said, yeah, if you could. So my territory manager and I, we pulled up, you know, went to go see this. We pulled up to the house. And this was about two and a half weeks after the fire. And I see an ambulance outside the house. And I'm sitting there going, what's going on? This was, this fire was two and a half weeks ago, you know, and it was your classic, 
elderly lady had put had had uh, her her daughter had left for the day. She put something on the stove, forgot about it. You know, the neighbor had to come in and pull her out of the window. All that told her. It was the first time that this lady had been back to her house since the fire, and she fainted. Seeing wow. So she's on the back porch with her son and I go back and sit down back porch and, and we're talking and making sure everything's handled okay on the claim and all of that. And, but she asked her son to go get something from the house and bring it back to me. When she did, she handed me this box and it was, you know, box about so big charred on the outside, you know, the, the fire had consumed the outside of the box. You opened up the box and inside is a family body. And it's white and pristine and just as clean as can be. Mm. And what I told her was, look, we're here to build you a new box. The box can be rebuilt. The house can be rebuilt. What's important is what's inside. Mm. What's important is you're okay. Your family's okay. Pristine. We'll yeah. build a new box. We'll get you back on your feet. That's what we do. That's the other thing that gets me up is I have 80,000 80, policyholders that I'm there trying to make sure that their boxes are fine. Wow. That their family is okay. We'll take care of what's around them. But that's in insurance. You're there to help. You, you're selling a promise that you're going to be there when someone needs you the most. Mm. And we got to be there to fulfill that promise. And that's the other main thing that gets me up in the day is, yeah, we'll build the company, all of that, but that's the company. What's the purpose of the company? What, yeah. what are you doing there? What's the greater good? And our greater good is taking care of that customer and making sure that in their time of need, that they're going to be taken care of. It's beautiful. That's what you're building. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh man. I uh, got, you got me on that one, man. I mean, I'm just happy there's people out there in the insurance world that that's their why right? Like exactly. it, can be, it can be an industry where you're not sure, do I trust them? Are they just out to get money? And it's like, man, it drives me crazy when I see the commercials on TV from the lawyers. Oh, they don't care about. Yeah. Quality. Yes, yeah. we do. We're there for that insured. We're there to take care of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah they've we, definitely done a, a campaign job of oh, yeah. making insurance sound like they're out to just steal from people. And we have not done near as good a job on that. Quite honestly, yeah. we need to do a better job of communicating that. And making wow. people understand why we're in the business we're in. Well, hopefully the people hearing this, will, it'll, it'll be very clear uh, yeah. hearing your heart, how, how authentic uh, that is. So, man, awesome. All right, let's get into the lightning round questions. Sure. And then I will let you wrap up your Friday. Thank you for spending it All with right. us. My pleasure. First question. These are lightning round. No, Just a quick answer. No need to overthink it. Five questions we've asked every founder. Question number one, here we go. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? You know, I was thinking about this, this one, and it's always do the best thing for that customer, okay? Always drive customer value while we're there. I want to read something to you real quick. And Please. this, again, this is something that, that hangs on our walls here at Ally Trust. I, again, I borrowed it from Coke, but it's what is a customer? A customer is the most important person in any business. A customer is not dependent on us. We are dependent on them. A customer is not an interruption to our work. They are the purpose of it. A customer does us a favor when they come in. We aren't doing them a favor by waiting on them. A customer is part of our business, not an outsider. 
The customer is not just money in the register. They're a human being with feelings like our own. The customer is a person that comes to us with their needs and wants. It's our job to attempt to maximize value by fulfilling their needs through economic means. The driver deserves the most courteous, deserves the most courteous attention we can provide. They are the lifeblood of this and every business. They pay your salary. Without them, we would have to close our door. Don't ever forget it. Wow. But I try and drive home with my employees all the time. We yeah. got to be there for our customer. We got to be there for the policyholder, for our agents. Without so, it, we shut the doors. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Question number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And what was the worst? You know, the single best, stick to your knitting. Do what you know best. Mm. You know, you got to remain disciplined to grow the business in a sustainable way. And it's kind of why we do organic. We underwrite, we inspect, all that. The worst is a lot of people, again, startups, they'll just take the, the, the quick policies, the, 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 that, you know, takeout business. You pay for that in the long run. Yes, you want to grow, but we're fastest growing company, but we have a bottom line mentality. You got to be around at the end of the day. Stick to your knitting. Be disciplined in what you do. Love it. How about the worst? Does anything come to mind? Well, again, the worst is kind of going for that short term, right? Okay. And, and a lot of the others will burn their way in the market to get that market presence. Yeah. Well, we will come in a little bit higher and tight and, and, and tweak it to get it there. So you just gotcha. provide that additional value. Got it. Love it. Question number three, what causes you the most stress or worry leading your organization? You know, not only am I responsible for the 22 families of our employees, but again, I'm, I'm responsible for the families of the 80,000 policy. Holders. Yeah. Right? There's 80,000 families out there that depend on us. And especially in time of claim. And while we may handle a thousand thousands of claims a year to that policyholder, it's that's their only claim. That's probably the only one they've ever had in their life. Right. And their world is turned upside down. And so, you know, what keeps me up? I want to make sure they're taken care of. I want to wow. make sure that we're there for them when they need us. Man, that just makes me think of the um, the crazy cold snap that came through Texas. Yeah. Did that. uh did oh, they yeah. have an onslaught of, of claims coming your way? We had 4,000 claims from that. We had more claims from that event than three hurricanes put together from last summer. Wow. Yeah. That Talk about a, talk about a, a pressure test. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. a stress and test, a pressure test. Mother Nature's had her uh, had Louisiana, Texas in the crosshairs the last year. I'll tell you that. So Goodness. we've had a lot of opportunity to try and fulfill that problem. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. Number four. What is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal? You know, there, there's a company here locally in this area, American Strategic, ASI. Um, and they sold about the time, just shortly after we were uh, starting this, they sold to Progressive for uh, $1.5 billion. Now, yeah, and this was after 17 years in business. And my lead investor knows this company, knows uh, John Hour is their CEO and president. Great guy. Very, very sharp. I've got a ton of respect for John and, and the company that he built. And he yeah. also was a former uh, bankers person. He was a bankers alum as well. And, and Cameron knows John as I do. And so in Cameron, in his words, not mine, okay, he said, Brian, you're smarter and better looking than him. So I give you 10. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know about smarter or we'll see about the better. 
but you know, so that, that's a high bar to set because yeah. John built a great company, you know, sold it to a, another very good company, you know, million and a, or a billion and a half, you wow. know? So yeah, 15 years, we can do that. Uh, go. You know, we've, we've uh, done something. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. Number five, this is our creative question. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past and tell yourself just one thing. When would you go back and what would you tell yourself? You know, I'd go back to again when I was capital raising for family security and it's tough. You're an entrepreneur. You've got to get that capital. Don't settle. Hmm. Know what the strings are attached. That was the big lesson learned there. I should have done more due diligence. I found out later that this was the third time that this uh, investor had done this to a company. I wow. My due diligence. And it's tough because you're in a position where you want to see that, you know, get that thing on its feet. Yeah. But you got to look for the long term. You got to know the strings attached to to the money and the capital and know where it's coming from and know that it's going to be long term. Best situation for you. Yeah, man. It reminds me of um, it reminds me of that story in the Old Testament where Jacob and Esau. Right. He gets he's so hungry and his brother sees that as an opportunity to offer him a bowl of soup that he yeah. trades away his inheritance. Right. Right. And it's like, man, right. oh, all I want, I just need this. I need this capital. And it's like, well, hold on. What are you giving away to get that? Right. Exactly. Are you unknowingly giving away the inheritance just to get just to get for the short term gain? The short term. Yeah. You got to think long term, and that, and that's tough for an entrepreneur. Of course, the pressure's you, you real. There the pressure's definitely there. Yeah. But you got to think of where's it going to take you. Is this going to be good? You know, where where I want to be at the end of the day. Absolutely. Oh, such good advice, man, Brian. What an honor to meet you and to to get this time with you to learn the wisdom of. So many adventures. Like that's what I admire the most about business founders, leaders is like, they're the ones that wander into the unknown. They're the ones that, that have been okay being uncomfortable for long periods of time and take, take hits on the chin and get up and grow from it and get better. Um, and so talking to you, um, really valuable to me and I know valuable to our audience. So thank you for taking the time to come on here today. Uh, it's my, been my pleasure, Drew. I appreciate it very much. Great opportunity. Thank you. You're welcome.